Welcome to another episode of the Marriage Mentor Podcast with Eric and Jolene Engel, where Eric and Jolene answer marriage questions for believers, looking at the root of the problem instead of the symptom, always while applying God's wisdom and word for a Christ-centered marriage. Hi, I'm Eric Engel. I'm here with my wonderful, fantastically talented wife, Jolene, (laughs) for another episode of the Marriage Mentor Podcast. So tell me, my love, what do we have today? In today's episode, uh, we have an email from a reader, and uh, this is what she says, that she's, I'm newly married to a wonderful, not perfect man. We've been through a lot together. Sometimes I worry if he is God's will for me. The thought started small, but now has created anxiety and fear of the unknown in me. I read articles that say, if God doesn't want you to do something, he creates a nudge in you. Can God nudge one to get a divorce? And if I am determined to stay true to my vows, does it mean that I am doomed? Is the fear creating a nudge? So the question is, is it God's will for me to be married to my spouse? Well, she started out with, he's a fantastic or wonderful... Not perfect man. Right, but wonderful. That was in there, wasn't it? Absolutely. Okay, so she's married to a wonderful man that she's wondering if she should stay married to. Correct. Here's uh, how it goes in, in a woman's mind. Okay. Would you like me to clue you in? <laughs> clue me in, because I am here. Uh, <laughs> you know, totally I, perplexed by the whole thing. I, I'm not getting this whole thing. It's Go ahead. Clue we have a in. lot of feelings and emotions. So many. Would I normally say that women have 5,000 and men have five? Five emotions that you guys deal with, and we deal with thousands on a regular basis. So, so. she's, she's second-guessing her... Decision. decision to say yes to this guy. I'm sure every bride did. I know I did. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know the story. Come you know, on now. After 20 years, I'm glad to find this out finally. You've heard it. I've shared it before on the podcast, oh, but I'll refresh your memory. Refre- please do. I will. So here I do want to say something because there might be um, a woman who is single listening to this podcast or engaged I don't, I don't believe that every woman who listens to it is a married woman, unless I'm delusional. Okay, I could be. but Well, if you had second thoughts about me, you must be delusional. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. I'm I know. St- I'm still waiting to hear. Okay, well, be patient. So I had to snicker to myself when this young woman said, is it God's will for me to be married to my spouse? Because I also get emails from single women who are trying to convince me that the unbeliever that they're dating is God's will for them. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So make a note of it. Step away from the unbelieving boyfriend. He is not God's will for you because the Bible is clear. Don't be yoked to an unbeliever. Okay. Correct. So in this case, the gal I'm sure was convinced on her wedding day, like all brides are, he's the one. He's the one for me and this is God's will. By the way, did did she say he's a believer? Is she a believer? I don't, well, I'm assuming she is, but I don't know. Okay. Sometimes they'll tell me if they are. Sometimes I don't get any of that information. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm going blind on this one. Or I'm I'm flying blind or I'm sure there's some saying that I've screwed up. But anyways. So we walk down the aisle as brides, just filled with all this gushy emotion and feelings. We're not very logical, okay? When the marriage is about to happen, the wedding and the courting. I know for me, as that gal who was dating you, 
I tried to guard my heart as much as possible and not fall in love with you until I could examine your character. And I did that. I didn't fall in love with you until we got engaged. And most women are, women are like, what? Like, what does that even look like? And it's called emotional self-control because we're so quick to give away our heart to men that we don't know their character well enough. So anyways, even in my state of being well-guarded, to not be deceived, to not just fall into this loving blindness of emotions and getting caught up in all that, about nine months into the marriage, I was like blindsided emotionally because I, I had never heard of this. You know, you don't, you don't hear sermons on this. Oh, you know, about 18 months into your dating married life, you're going to kind of have these warm fuzzies kind of fall away because you've gotten used to the person. Uh, and how long did it take you? You say normally it's 18 months, but it took you half that time. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> of course, because I'm efficient. <laughs> so I was just like, rem I remember being back in our master bedroom on the bed in tears crying because I didn't have these, <gasps> I can't wait to see Eric. Well, part of it is because I quit my job and I started working with you. So I saw you 24-7. So that's probably <laughs> so why. You figured out what I was really like. Is that it? <laughs> so for me, it was just like, why don't I have those feelings like I did when, you know, we were dating, courting and, and getting married? And then I thought to myself, did I make a mistake? Did, did I not choose the right one? Okay enter in Satan's lies and demons and fiery darts of the enemy because he would just love to destroy what God has brought together. Well, you're still here, so I guess something worked. Yeah, huh? something worked because immediately the Holy Spirit said, said to me, no, no, no. What God has brought together, let no man separate. But I didn't have this understanding of why my feelings for you kind of dissipated. I didn't realize that that's normal. Most people don't tell young brides that that's a normal process. Okay. So as I'm reading this young bride's letter, she's questioning because, well, now marriage is kind of mundane and the newness is worn off. I'm not on this emotional high. And she, is he the right one? She found she found out that he smells, that he snores. <laughs> he, he farts. Yeah, yeah, he does that stuff. Yes, yeah, you know, that, that's not the type of music she was intending to live with, right. you know? Right. So she's just living in the reality of married life. And the unfortunate thing is when you talk, when a young bride is hearing from older married couples, a lot of times older married couples don't paint a good picture of marriage. They're just talking about, oh, what's the old ball and chain? Well, and because, it's just... Because here's the problem. They got married wrong and they've just endured this right. hardship for 50 years. And everyone's clapping their hands going, oh, you're so wonderful. You stayed married for 50 years. And, and how'd you do it? And... We, and, we and sleep in separate bedrooms. Right, I mean, and they're, they're just disgruntled for 50 years. Right, which is unfortunate. I mean, the good thing is that they kept their vows and it, their commitment. Right. But they are not the people to seek marital advice from. They are not people you want to mentor you in your marriage because they don't have a healthy marriage. What they do have is a commitment to their vows. Right. All time teaches there is commitment, which is honorable. Right. Okay. But marriage 
if that's all you're looking for is someone that will stick there and stay there, but but they aren't going to be participating in the marriage and, and it's going to be a crummy marriage for that time. I mean, I can understand how that's a ball and chain for right, both of them. Right. So the unfortunate thing is young brides don't really hear advice from healthy married people about how there's going to be a shift in your marriage and that newness, that excitement will wear off. And that's normal. It's kind of like, you know, when you're pregnant for the first time, there, there's that popular book out there of what to expect when you're expecting. And you're reading all these stories. And I remember my firstborn, the, the wa- my water broke, but water didn't come out initially. I, I kind of hear this pop and feel this pop. And I'm like, what on earth is that? And we're about 14 days early before his due date. And so what do I do? I go down and I pick up my book. And I start flipping through the book, finding out, well, what does it sound or feel like when the water breaks? Because there's no evidence of my water breaking. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to find out what to expect. Sure enough, it says it's going to sound like a cork popped. And no sooner did I read that than I, you know, call upstairs to you and ask you to bring down a towel and I take a step and all this water starts coming out. So you have books out there on what to expect when you're expecting when you're pregnant that tell you these things. Like when you're giving birth, expect to have hemorrhoids. It's like, why isn't someone telling you that? It's the same premise for this new bride, but those books really aren't out there. That when you're new, everything's fun, exciting, glorious, wonderful. But over time, the mundane comes in. And when that mundane comes in, so does Satan. So does Satan. And he plants those seeds. All right. So she's like, did I make a mistake? Is God telling me I made a mistake? Is that? that Yes. She she has read articles that say, if God doesn't want you to do something, he creates a nudge in you. So can God nudge one to get a divorce? Okay. So uh, before we go on, okay. There, obviously, you want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, okay? But, like we've always said before, you test everything by the Word of God. You test everything, okay? Because if you're just going off your nudges, okay, you... There is no, there's no baseline to figure out, is that really God or is that just my own selfishness? Is that... Satan speaking to me, I mean... Well, and the Holy Spirit will not contradict the Word of God. Absolutely. Okay, right. so that's where you have to you have to know your Bible. And so I had to learn my Bible. I didn't get saved and then, you know, one Saturday in the afternoon, I knew the entire Bible. It's taken me years, and I still don't. I mean, here I am, 21 years of following the Lord that I'm like, huh, didn't even realize that that was in there. You know, you're learning something all the time because you should be growing and being transformed as a Christian. Okay, so here's another lie that is perpetuated in the Christian realm or the Christian society, whatever you want to say, uh, is that, oh, I feel at peace. Mm-hmm. Okay? Feeling at peace is is not how you make a judgment. Okay? You remember Jonah? When Jonah got in the boat, what did he do? He's heading the opposite direction. <laughs> like, I'm taking a nap. He took a nap. Jonah was at peace. Right. Right? And it was obviously the wrong choice. Okay? How about Jesus before he went to the cross? Jesus was not at peace. 
Right. I mean, he he was not, and yet that was the will of God. Okay. Right. So just saying, well, you'll know when you're at peace. No, no. You'll know when the Bible, when you test it against what the Bible says. That's when you'll know. Yeah. There's a lot in the in the Christian circle, in the Christian community that talks about, well, what is God's will for my life? Okay. I hear that all the time. That I'm like, what do you mean, what is God's will? It's right there in the Bible. Here's what it says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 3. For this is the will of God. You want to hear it? Yep. Your sanctification. It's growing. It's just you growing in the Lord as a Christian and following Jesus and imitating Jesus and being obedient to the scriptures. It's not, well, is it God's will for me to have this blue couch or this white couch? God doesn't care about your couch. Right. Right. Uh, I don't I don't really believe that, that God cares what kind of car you drive. Okay. Now, you might think, well, I want to pray about everything. And the Bible does say, pray about everything. Right. Okay, but bottom line is, the Bible says that God looks on the heart. I mean, that's how he chose David, okay? And that's how he's going to judge you as well. He's looking on your heart, okay? If you want a blue car or you want a red car, okay? Some are more expensive than others, okay? God's still looking on your heart. If that, if that $500 car is an idol, but <laughs> right. that $500,000 car is not... right. Which one is the wrong car? Five hundred dollar one. That's right. Okay, so so it's it's really really important that that you use those scriptures to judge your life correctly. Well, Ephesians five seventeen says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If a Christian could just take a step back, take a deep breath, and say, you know what? My heart is to glorify the Lord and be obedient to what he's called me to. Girlfriend, brother, you're in the will of God right there. Right there, just by that that surrendered heart of, I want to follow you and be obedient to what your word says. All the little other details, it doesn't matter, okay? The Lord will work all of that out. You don't have to try and, you know, be like the, the puppeteer trying to, you know, control God and figure that all this stuff out. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw a wrench here. What if she's, what if she's not married to this guy? She's engaged to him and he is the wrong guy. Okay. And then she gets married to him. Then he's the right guy. He turns into the right guy. Because Matthew 19, six says, so then they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together let not man separate. So again, we go back to what do the scriptures say and being obedient to the scriptures. If she's dating an, or he's dating an unbeliever, the Bible is clear. You're, you're not to be joined together with them. Right. Okay? You know, and so they're like, well, I feel this way. I feel it's the Lord's will. Well, why on earth do you feel it's the Lord's will when his word straight up says, don't do it? That's why I don't understand this. Like, why are you justifying that? You're going to go outside of God's will and you're going to think that God's going to bless you? Fat chance that that's going to happen. Well, and and how many times does God have to say something before you listen? Right. You know, because, oh, I feel this way, but the word says this. Well, and so many people will justify their own sin and try to twist the scriptures to fit their sin or say, well, that was at a different time or that really didn't matter, doesn't isn't applicable today or, or whatever baloney oh, they say. Oh, yeah, our culture will tell you to follow your heart. But the Bible doesn't teach that. 
The Bible is the complete opposite. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So why on earth would you trust your heart? I'm going to trust the Bible before I'm going to trust my heart. Because the heart will steer me wrong 100% of the time. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So so he might have been Mr. Wrong uh, a minute before they got married. Right. But the minute they got married, he is now Mr. Right. Absolutely. And she's got a different obligation. Absolutely. I mean, it goes back to... You know, and and as you're trying to grow in the Lord and you're trying to figure out, well, is this the Holy Spirit talking to me? How do you discern whose voice is whose? Okay, I had to learn that. Is this God's voice? Because God did not, God didn't show up in a bush for me. There was no burning bush in my life. Okay, glad Moses got it. I didn't get it. But what God gave us was the Bible. Okay. Right. Which is, well, you know, and I'll tell you what's interesting because Jesus told the disciples that they were better off if he went away. Right. Okay. Well, part of that is having his written word. I mean, that's, you know, when when the disciples are following Jesus around, they might have known some of the Old, Old Testament and they heard Jesus's word, but they didn't get the whole picture like we get it. I mean, we have it right here as a reference guide. Well, and he left us with the Holy Spirit where we have a constant companion 24-7. I mean, when Jesus walked the earth... He had to get in a boat and get away from all the people. Right. Okay. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to do get. He doesn't have to get in a boat. If I get in the boat, the Holy Spirit gets in the boat. Okay. If I go into the kitchen, if I take a walk, the Holy Spirit's always with me. Which I thought it was really interesting when I read that years ago as a young believer when Jesus said, "It's better for me to go away," and I'm just like, "How is that any better? That you're not here right beside me?" Well, he. He left the Holy Spirit for us. Right. So a lot of it is that, just... That indwelt in them. Yes. And in yes. us. I, so it's not just this outside influence. This It's an inside influence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of it is learning what whose voice is whose. You know, I had to learn, well, is this my voice? So how do you know? Well, you know it from the word. You know, the sheep, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And I can remember reading all that, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, because I'm growing in the Lord, and I don't know the Word well enough. But I did have indications. There were things that my soul would be troubled by. When something came along in my life, I'm like, that doesn't seem right. If I hear a message today from a reputable pastor, you know, they might not communicate something right. Or even if I read something in a book, I'm like, something's not right there. It's not lining up with scripture. But today I know more scripture than I did 20 years ago. Right. Okay. So that's the key is really diving into the Bible, even into those books that you're like, what am I going to get out of Leviticus? Okay. Well, you know, and, and the world has these sayings that, that people will take. I mean, one is that you've heard this, that you can't love others until you love yourself. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> yes, I have. Okay. And that, you know, on the surface, oh, that sounds wonderful. I need to love myself. That's not biblical. The Bible says you love yourself plenty. Right. Okay. And you have to deny yourself. Right. And so. And it says love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Because we are the king of our universe. And esteem others higher than yourself. Right. So we don't have a problem of loving ourselves. We, We do it too much. But if you don't know the word. Okay, then something like that might tickle your ears and sound, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, right. I like that. I'm going to, you know, and so you have to know the word 
to be able to discern the Holy Spirit's voice. Yes. And it goes back. That's how you know, is it the Holy Spirit prompting you? I mean, when I read this gal's letter, I'm like, okay, well, she doesn't know the word of God well enough to know that that's Satan just planting seeds into her heart. And she's going through a natural process that most brides go through when the mundane, you know, comes in and those, the emotional high wears off in a bride's life that it's just like, okay, that's normal. Okay. If they're, if this is a, a Christian couple, yeah, you got to expect the spiritual warfare. Of course, Satan's going to plant the seeds of, did you marry the right one? I mean, he, he asked a bunch of questions of, of Eve, and he asked a bunch of questions of Jesus. Okay, that's what Satan does. He, he asks questions, and you're like, well, whose voice is it? Is it Satan's voice, or is it God's voice? Well, you know, I mean... <laughs> When, uh, when Jesus was out in the wilderness and Satan's like, hey, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? I mean, you're hungry. You've been out here for, for 40 days or almost 40 days, whenever that was during that time period. And, and it would be so easy for me. I'd be like, I am hungry. There's nothing wrong with eating. That's a good idea. Right. Okay. But it wasn't a good idea. No, because Jesus knew that you're, you're not my father. You know, you're not... I'm not listening to you. Okay. So advice you give this gal, and we just gave a lot of it, is how does she overcome this type of feeling, this nudging? Well, okay? you got to know who's nudging you. If, if Satan's nudging me, I need to punch back. Well, and it's obvious that this is not the Lord nudging her. Right. The if, Lord- the, if the Holy Spirit's the one doing it, usually in my life, when the Holy Spirit is nudging me, also known as convicting me, it's because he wants me to do something I don't want to do. Usually like apologize or keep my mouth shut. I had a cult that came to my door recently. I had gotten out of the shower. A few minutes later, I hear a knock on the door and I'm like, oh, okay, it's Saturday. I don't want to open up the door. And I don't open up the door when you're not here, but my sons were here. Okay. So anyways, long story short, I'm annoyed because I know what cult is at my door on Saturday morning. (laughs) Okay. And I go to open up the door and I'm just about to say, you're a cult and you're going to hell. Okay. Those were my kind words. And instantly the Holy Spirit's like, shut, shut your mouth, daughter, be kind. And you know, I don't want to be kind in that moment. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed in that moment. And I'm justifying myself. And it's like, well, it is truth. They are cult and they are going to hell. Okay. But I'm to win them over in gentleness and to be loving and kind and to present the gospel with meekness. Okay, there's there was no meekness in any of that. So I've had to learn generally the Holy Spirit is convicting me to either shut my mouth because right. I want to run my flesh off or he's convicting me to do something that would emulate Jesus. Well, and here's here's what's interesting. Uh, so many believers, they have what, 66 books? Is that how many? I think that's how yeah. many in the Bible. Okay. Well, I'm no... Uh, anyway, <laughs> 66 books in the Bible that tell you how to live your life and how to act as a believer. And you're going to take and you're going to throw all that away and ignore all that because there's a nudging to do something that is contrary to what that teaches. But they won't know if it's contrary to what it teaches because you have to read the Bible in order to know the Bible. Okay. Okay. So obviously, be in the Word, be in church, and yeah, attend a Bible-believing church, and be discerning. 
Right. According to the Bible. Right. And and the Bible's clear. What God has brought together, let no man separate. So stay married. That's God's will if you're married, is to stay married. Now, obviously, if there's adultery, if an unbeliever believe, leaves, there are other, you know, God, God does give other avenues so you can live at peace. Right. Right. Okay. And, you know, even in those situations, uh, the Bible gives you the right to divorce if if there's infidelity, but it doesn't say you, you must. must. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, Jesus is for reconciliation, but it takes two parties to do that. One party can't reconcile. One party can't act remorseful and not reconcile. They could say, oh, I got caught. I'm sorry. But then they, you know like a dog returning to its vomit goes right back out and does it again. And the, the other spouse takes them back and they think that there's reconciliation there. It's just like, no, you've been bamboozled. Okay. Well, that's, anyways, that's another podcast. Yeah. So anyway, I'm Eric Engel. And I'm Jolene Engel at JoleneEngel.com. Until next time, embrace your choice.